Welcome to episode 9 of Advanced Scout, your favorite podcast about clutch baseball, a card game that's actually a board game about a ball game. I'm Paul Seeley, manager of the Fed Weezy Fusion. Thanks for tuning in. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you that Clutch has a Discord, and it is awesome. Chat about the game, play games, check out a cool team building resources, talk about this podcast that you're listening to, and more. Come join us. A link to the Discord will be in the description of this podcast. I'm just about to catch up on all of my work that I set for myself a while ago. This is part three, talking about the 2019... 2020 strategy cards. This is the defensive part. This is also going to be the shortest one because there aren't that many defensive strategy cards I play, and the ones that I do play I think are very good. So, let's get into them. I got the same tiers as before every day, probable, day to day, alternate site, released. That's it. Your everyday tier. Ian's Ahead in the Count, Left for Dead, and Setup Man 2.0. Ahead in the Count. Um, we didn't really use this card very much until recently when we realized, oh wait, this is actually really good. Uh, Ahead in the Count, it stops a card. Basically, if you get the advantage and your opponent has a Paradise Swing, you stop them from using the Paradise Swing. Uh, you've probably gotten this message from my podcast before, but Paradise Swings are really good. Uh, especially on the power, on the, especially on the pitcher's term, they're way better than the regular swing. Um, the reason why I think I didn't use this card before was because it has a stipulation on the card that if the the power dice swing was from a card that was played before the swing, that card goes back in their hand. But what we've realized is that this actually only applies to cards played like immediately before the swing. So something like um, flags flying out, or something like see it clearly. That would be something that, or not see it clearly, square it up. Um, those would be things that would go back to your hand. But cards like see it clearly, cards like ribeye steak, those are cards that ahead that would not go back in the hand from a head in the count. Same with cards like Frank Robinson cards like On Deck Circle, I Am Inevitable, all of those cards all get denied by Head and Account. Um, and this is really useful because, again, like, Paradise Wings are really good. You want to be stopping your opponent from utilizing Pitcher's Chart Paradise Wings in very high leverage situations. So, in the last episode, I talked about Flags Flying Out. I talked about how, well, since you're on the pitcher's chart, the power die is just as good on every single hitter. And the only thing that matters is how high a leverage of the situation you're in. How much can you benefit from getting a pitcher's chart hit? And this is basically the same thing, but in reverse, for a head and the count. Um, you know, the only thing that changes from the defensive side of things is that if you have, you know, multiple pitchers you're going to be using in the game, you might have some that are going to be more vulnerable to pitcher's chart power die swings than others. But, in general, it's the same concept. When is a pitcher's chart hit going to do the most damage? And 
you should play ahead and account them. You know, if your opponent plays C clearly and it's your advantage and the bases are empty, I'm probably not playing ahead and account. You know, there's runners on, big inning, need you really need the out, you know, runners on first and second, bases are loaded, two outs, you know. Like, yeah, I'm probably playing it. So it just kinda of depends on the situation you're in. And experience is just going to kind of tell you, like, how often you're going to get those situations and when the best high leverage situations are. But in general, I think um, you're going to find that you're in, you're going to be in a really good spot if you have this card in your hand. Because it prevents a lot of cards from working. Next is Left 4 Dead. Um... This card is very simple. Drawing cards is good. Uh, Left 4 Dead is very consistent because, I mean, even if this card just lets you draw one, then it's just a free cycle, which is not the worst, right? It's not great. I'm probably not using it for that at the very beginning of the game. But, you know, if this lets you draw two or three, which is not an extremely rare circumstance, then this card's really good. So, you know, I think... 90% of the time when I play Left 4 Dead, my opponent lets me draw the cards. I would say, I, I think that's not correct of what you should do. I think you should try to discard cards. Because if you think about it, if your opponent plays Left 4 Dead, and you look at your hand, and you have two cards in your hand that you think are worse than the average card in your deck... Right, you said maybe they're your thirtieth worst card or your fortieth worst card. Then you should be discarding those for Left 4 Dead, because your opponent is going to be drawing an average card in their deck twice. Right? Could be the worst, could be the best. Right? So, if your opponent's going to draw on average the exact average card in their deck then if you have cards in your hand that are below average, you should be discarding those. Um, the only situation in which that's not true is if you think you are so much better at this game than your opponent that you just make way more use out of your cards than they do. Um, if you're in that situation, it probably doesn't matter what you do. So, yeah. Uh, last in this list is Setup Man 2.0. This card is destructive. It is demoralizing. It, some would say, is tilting. Um, it is in the everyday tier because while it is situational in that you have to have a K icon or a hold icon pitching in order to use this card, I think this card is so good, you are better off forcing your team to have those icons in your bullpen in order to use this card straight up because you know the later you get in the game the more desperate you get when you're behind or you when you're ahead right like the later you get in the game the more likely you are to just use cards and so if that's the case then there's going to be an inning, like in the 7th or 8th, where your opponent realizes, oh man, I just got to throw everything I can, because this is my last shot, right? This is the last chance my middle of the order is going to be up to hit, so I got to throw everything. 
and then boom, you hit them with the Senate Man 2.0. They can't play anything. Um, so it's really, really good for stuff like that. Um, and just in general, it just messes up the timing because your opponent probably has a plan of like when they want to play a lot of their cards and you just completely mess that up and throw it for a loop and force them to play those cards on weaker hitters. And that's really good. Um, it's, it, it, I can't say enough about how good this card is. It is, it's insane. Um, it is so good that you should build specifically to be able to use this. It's that good. Uh, next is the probable tier. In this tier is empty real estate in their ear, dialed in and ramping up. Um, empty real estate, if you get a plus two or a plus three from empty real estate, it's probably worth decking. Um, being able to subtract two or three from the swing as long as there's a runner on base is pretty dang good. Um, again, you're guaranteed to be able to use this in any high leverage situation. You, It's not difficult to use, it just depends on what stadium you're in. So if you're in a stadium that uses it, then you get to use it whenever you want. Um, that's really good. So I would say... Like, there are definitely times where I'm like, man, like, I could use another offensive card instead of this. But in general, like, minus two, minus three, this thing's really good. So you should probably just use it. Um, in their ear is next. I like in their ear a lot, um, especially as we're getting less, a little less card draw this year. And so in their ear is a nice way to make up for that. I feel like I'm one of the only people that uses this card. The only reason it's in the probable tier and not the everyday tier is maybe your opponent has really, really good hitters with um, low amounts of outs, and you're just like, yeah, this isn't this isn't going to be worth it. Then in that case, you maybe don't use it. But otherwise, I mean, yeah, it's one card, so it's not that high of a risk. And the benefit is your opponent discards their whole hand or you draw four cards, both of which are very, very good. Um, you can even game that system a little bit by trying to throw a bad pitcher in for it. I wouldn't really recommend doing that. That's getting a little too cute with it. But if you throw in a pretty good pitcher and you throw out in their ear, you kind of put yourself in a win-win situation where if you give up the advantage a lot, you're probably going to get to use in their ear at some point. So, it kind of works out pretty well in that case. So, it combos really, really well with pitchers that have low base command, but high outs, right? Because if you have low base command, you'll give up a few extra advantages. But if you have high outs, you're going to get outs on your chart all the time. So, those pitchers are still just as good as, you know, like a 4, four command 18 out is not quite as good, but still, but like very close to as good as a 6 command 16 out. But with the 4 command 18 out, you're more likely to give up advantages. So if it's the same quality, but you're more likely to give up advantages, you know, in their ears pretty good with that kind of pitcher, basically. So, and I tend to use those pitchers a lot. I really like them. So, um, I think in their ear makes a really good pairing with those. Next is dialed in. Uh, only reason this isn't in the everyday tier is you might be running a really bad starting pitcher and you're just like, nah. I, this isn't going to get any use. You know, like, you're running Patrick Sandoval, you're running, you know, David Hess, 
you know, you're running somebody else who's just not that good. Both both not good and not going to stay in the game for very long. Like, don't even bother. It's not worth it. Um, if I'm using anybody remotely decent, I'm probably decking it. Uh, last of this tier is ramping up. I like ramping up a lot. I don't see it use a whole lot. Um, it lets you subtract two from the next swing if there is an out with the power dice swing. So the reason why this is good is because your opponent should be playing power dice swings in high leverage situations, right? So runner on second, running scoring position, your opponent plays revised stake, or they place their see it clearly, or they try to get a pitcher short hit with flags flying out, right? Those are the kind of situations your opponent should be playing the power dice swings in, which stands the reason that if they get an out with those things, it is advantageous for you to get the minus two to the swing on the next at bat because you're still going to be in a high leverage situation. So because of that, ramping up is a really good, um, you're like guaranteed to be using that in a really good situation. And basically like, you're gonna, it's gonna come up enough where that's good, right? Like, if your opponent's not using a ton of power die, I mean, that's their problem. Like, you probably have an advantage over them anyway. But if they're playing the way they probably should, they're using a lot of power die swings, which means you're gonna get a lot of opportunities to use this card in good situations. Uh, next is day to day. Uh, this is a really big tier. Most of the cards in this tier basically fall into the category of if you're running a big pitching team, this is probably a good card. That's most of these cards. Um, these cards are Ace in the Hole, Defend the Throne, Get Your Game On, Grudge Match, Heroes Get Remembered, High and Tight, In It to Win It, No One is Invincible, The Man Is Not Stop, Bear Down, Climbing the Wall, Ducking the Batter, First Pitch Strikes, Ice in Their Veins, Master Proficiency, Crawly Start, Strong Side, Top 10, Intimidation Factor, Full Extension, Clean Cleats, Fooled Them, and Clamp Down. So, Ace in the Hole. If you have good pitchers, good card. Defend the Throne. If you have good pitchers, good card. If you don't have those elite pitchers, don't use those. Um, get your game on. You have Gall Star Icon? Great. If you don't, don't use it. Uh, Grudge Match is really interesting. Um, it's a good card if you have some good intentional walk targets followed by negative clutch batters behind them. So if you just happen to notice that like Babe Ruth is batting ahead of Edwin Rios, Grudge Match is a great card, right? It doesn't always come up. It's just something you might want to look out for where, because if, if you're walking Babe Ruth and then Rios comes up and you subtract through to the swing and he has plus two to his on base. That's actually a net negative for Rios, right? So um, that actually helps you a lot. Plus you get to ignore the batter of Babe Ruth. So um, very specific situation, but something that I always kind of tend to look at, just check for in my opponent's lineups. Um, heroes get remembered. If your pitcher's good, has a lot of icons, use it. High and tight. K if your pitcher has a K icon, you get to draw from this. Seems pretty good. In it to win it. If you have a pitcher that's going to make use of this card, you got the W icon, great. Use it. Noah's Invincible. If you or if your opponent has a batter with a ton of icons to stack, and you have this, 
Great. Use it. If your opponent does not have a batter that has a ton of icons, don't use it. Like, these are pretty, like, simple categories of how to play these. Um, demand is not stop. Again, like, if you have pitchers that are going to be able to activate this, great. If not, don't. Bear down. If you have a high clutch pitcher that you want to dominate with, great. If not, no. Climbing the wall. If you have a five, plus five gold glove center fielder, use it. If you have a plus five center fielder without the gold glove, probably use it. If you have plus four, probably not. If you have plus four with gold glove, probably. I mean, you know, robbing a home run is good. Um, if you're in a pitching heavy matchup, this card's a little bit better because every run matters, you know. If you're in an offensive heavy matchup, you want to try to save this for high leverage situations. Like, you know, if you know the games, like, okay, I know my opponent's hitting three home runs this game, right? No. Maybe you don't use this on a solo home run. You wait for a two or three RBI home run. Um, ducking the batter, um, if Babe Ruth's on the other team, might be okay to play. First pitch strikes. Now, this one's going to be controversial because a lot of people like first pitch strikes. Um, it's not a bad card. It's okay. And the reason why is twofold. One, first pitch strikes gives you minus two to the swing if the previous result was a ground ball or fly ball. So the reason why I don't think that's very good is first because you're, you can only get that twice in an inning. So the amount of value you're actually getting from this just from a straight, like, okay, I'm getting a total of minus four to the swing. Like, that's good, but it's not a ton. Um, the second thing, is that um, first pitch strikes does not give you the ability to time the minus to do the swing. You just kind of get it. So you have no control over whether you're getting that minus to the swing in a high leverage situation or not. You just kind of get it or you don't. And the third part is that first pitch strikes actually makes it harder for you to get more minus two the swing because if you get minus two the swing from first pitch strikes that next batter is more likely to get a strikeout now they're also just as likely to get a ground ball or a fly ball right if you have minus two the swing you still have the same number of ground ball and fly ball results you just have two more strikeouts but if you have two more strikeouts that means those are two more times in which your opponent doesn't get a hit and they get a strikeout instead and then you don't get the minus two from first pitch strikes, which is, like, not a bad thing, right? But then, what are you playing first pitch strikes for in the first place? Just get them out. Um, I just think because you can't control where it's going to be, and the best case scenario isn't even that good, and the card makes it less likely to get your best case scenario in the first place... I just don't think it's that good of a card. I know a lot of people use this card. A lot of people love this card. I think it's way overrated. That's just me. Uh, ice in their veins. If you have a good clutch, 
bullpen guy, good card. If you know you're going to get a lot of clutch moments, good card. Uh, master of Efficiency. If you have a very good pitcher, so I will use Master of Efficiency if I have pitchers like Julio Arias or Matt Moore or Kurt Ruder, right? Guys like that. You know, if I have Tony Gonsolin, I'm kind of 50-50 on it. If I'm running a bad reliever like Daniel Norris, I'm just kind of like, why do I need more innings of this guy? So it kind of depends on your starting pitcher and how rested your bullpen is. I will note that I think Master Efficiency is very useful for large inning pitchers because if you're running a bunch of seven and eight inning pitchers, you're probably running a really, really weak bullpen in order to compensate for that. So you have to have Master Efficiency to compensate for those. On the other hand, if you are using... A pitcher like Julio Arias, who has four innings, but it's really, really good for those four innings. Massive efficiency is, like, huge for him because that one inning you're getting is, like, huge good value. So, just throwing that out there. Um, it's good for both types. Um, but the important the important thing is that the pitcher is actually good that you're using it on. Um, quality start. Like, if you have a pitcher that you need to go the distance, you're going to have to use that. Um, strong side, I would only use this for the K-Icon draw. Power die pitch is fine. It's not great. Just use it for the draw. Um, top 10, again, like if you're running it in combo with climbing the wall, you're running it against a team that's going to run a lot, you've got gold glove icons, cool. If not... You're not going to get much use out of it. Intimidation factor. If you're running power pitching, you have really expensive pitchers, great. Use it. If not, don't. Um, full extension. If you have a good infield. And, you know, the, the trick with full extension is you need your pitcher to be not that good. Because, like, if you have a really good pitcher, you're not going to get situations where full extension can turn into a double play. But on the other hand, you can only play full extension on the pitcher's chart hit. So it's really hard for full extension to work like optimally. Um, I've seen people get it to work. I don't know how consistent that is. I just think, you know, in the right circumstance, I could see this working. I'm not super sold on it. Clean cleats, if you got to do with the icons, you're running a big pitching team, great, use it. Um, fool them, it's pretty interesting. I would say I would only use this if I have bullpen guys with icons to take advantage of it. Um, if you're just using it for the main effect, I just don't think it's going to do much. Um, clamp down is the same thing as tipping their pitches. It's just like if you have a card you know you want to get rid of, probably could use this. That said, tipping their pitches is a little bit easier of a condition to hit in order to play than clamp down is. So, um, clamp down is tough, but technically possible. Um, alternate site. 
uh, cut the white is in here because maybe you're in a situation where you have the save icon and your opponent's got like 10,000 negative two and three clutch patterns, but otherwise it's just not great. Um, don't run on us. I mean, if you're running three gold gloves and your opponent is running speed 24 hitters, cool. Otherwise, I mean, yeah. Get on the same page. If your catcher has a really good clutch, I guess that's good. Yeah. Hanging K's. I mean, searching for cards is not bad, but it doesn't give you new cards. It doesn't give you more cards, it just gives you ways to cycle. It's okay. But I'd just rather have dialed in or any of the other defensive momentum cards. Um, hole in his bat is okay if you want to set up uh, dialed in. Then I guess it's okay. I don't know if it's worth decking, but you know, it's not terrible. I, I could see it. Um, I have the high mound is fine if you want like a way to counter uh, your opponent's many, many offensive strategy cards that are going to help them. So I guess it's fine. Um, same thing with kids these days. I don't really use those cards, but I guess technically they're not bad. Um... Pitcher's Count is nice because it basically functions as um, a power type preventer, and also it turns outs into Ks, which is nice for dialed in. So, in that sense, it works pretty nice, but it's also not guaranteed, so it's a little iffy. Um, wire to wire... I don't even know why that's in this tier. I mean, I guess... I don't know. Firing bullets. Um, the only reason you would do this really is for the card draw. The thing is, card draw is better early in the game. And you're going to be playing this pretty late in the game. So it's a little tricky. Because the earlier you draw a card... Um, that's better for two reasons. One, the earlier you draw a card, the more opportunities you get to use it in an optimal situation. If you draw a card late, you just kind of have to just throw it out there and use it, right? Um, the other thing is, if you have cards that draw in your deck, drawing earlier is better because that lets you get to your drawing cards faster. And that just kind of sets up a whole cycle. So, drawing late is still fine, it's just not as good as drawing early, and usually I'm just kind of eh on this card. It's it's okay. Um, snap throw. I will deck this if I know my opponent's gonna steal a ton. Like if I got Sean Murphy and my opponent's got a bunch of stealing guys, sure, I'll deck this. Um, otherwise, nah. Um, your best friend, I guess, is fine. Like, card cycling's fine, but it's not, it's not great. Um, same thing with hanging Ks, like, I'd rather use something else. Um, seeing this before is interesting. I don't think that reroll cards are common enough that I would find this easy to use. But it's one of those things where 
if you scout your opponent and you know that they actually use a lot of cards that reroll swings, then seeing this before would be really nice. So, I often don't find myself playing an opponent that does that. So, I don't really consider this to be that good. But if you, I did find myself in that situation, that would be a really nice card. Um, you really got me. I find it difficult to predict when I'm going to give up losing home runs. Um, like, I don't know. I think the point of a forced discard is like you want to take over control of the game. And when you're losing, you inherently don't. So that kind of like, like if you're using, you really got me to force discards, your opponent's going to just get rid of the worst cards in their hand, right? So the point of forcing discards is like, hopefully you have enough cards that force discards that you force your opponent to discard better and better cards. But if you're losing, you're giving up home runs, you are probably not getting a lot of discard cards with it. Um, So, I'm not sold on Forced Discards as a strategy in general. Um, there is a really good card in 21 that we'll talk about that um, does have some Forced Discards. And so, I, you know, maybe I could see this being good with that. I'm probably not going to be trying it. But if you're willing to try it, maybe it's decent. I don't know. I kind of think not. But I'm open to the possibility. Um, finally, released here. These are cards that I think are just not good. Um, I think that they're pre-situational in order to even get to work in the first place. And even when you get them to work, they're not that good. Or, they're not very situational, they're easy to play, and they straight up suck or hurt you. That's what goes in this tier. So, in the release tier is Backburner, Bang Bang, Breathing Room 2.0, Bridging the Gap, Brushback Pitch, Bullpen Cart, Chase the Pitch, Choke Artist, Circus Act, Claustrophobia, Daylight Play, Down and Away, Eat the Ball, Effectively Wild, Flash the Leather, Front Loaded, Get Hyphy, Grab and Go, Hey Now, High Heater, Jack in the Box, Judgment Call, Makeup Call, Miss Stop Sign, Ordinary Hero, Phantom Tag, Pitch Out, Pump Fake, Seems So Simple, Sleight of Hand, Step Off the Rubber, Team Chemistry, Throwing Strikes, Unorthodox Approach, All for Nothing, Highlight Real, Keep Them at Bay, Playing Shower, Shallow, Mop Up Man, The Rosen Bag, and A Familiar Mound. And that is all for all of the 2019-2020 strategy cards. In our next episode, I will go over the brand new 2021 strategy cards and what I think about them and how they're going to shape the meta. So look forward to that, and I'll talk to you soon.